to the Yosemite Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jackson, and today I want to give my best tips for traveling in Yosemite or any mountain environment in winter. This episode was inspired by one of the most harrowing winter travel days I have ever had in Yosemite uh, over this past Christmas weekend, and I'm hoping that if more people are aware of how to travel safely on snow and ice, then maybe we could avoid some accidents and injuries like the ones I saw this weekend uh, in the future. So all that information and some terrifying anecdotes to come later, but first and foremost, I want to talk about the future of the podcast and upcoming episodes. So if you are a loyal listener, you may have noticed that I did not release on schedule last week and the episode before that was a little late. And that is because I have been extremely busy and I don't have the internet right now. I started a new job uh, in Yosemite at Badger Pass ski area recently. And because those days are so long, they're like eight, I'm um, sorry, uh, eight hours there and an hour drive and an hour uh, hour there and back. So it's like a 10 hour day that I'm out of the house sometimes 11. Um, I just have not had time to sit down and write and not having the internet for now makes things very complicated as well. Um, add to that power outages and the fact that I must trudge through three feet of snow to get anywhere. <laughs> We've had a lot of snow <laughs> up here this year. Uh, and you have a person who is overwhelmed by the task of getting a podcast out on time, especially just because I'm doing it all by myself. Um, so it's kind of a lot on my plate right now. And also I moved. There's just like a lot of stuff going on. I'm writing this episode today because I had a bonus day off. I actually had a snow day <laughs> since we closed the ski area due to the massive storms um, we've been having the last week. We joke here that at Badger Pass, um, that's the only ski area in California that closes when it snows, but it's not really a joke. <laughs> it totally does. Um, not like, you know, a light snow, but these heavy snows definitely shut it down. Um, as exampled by today and yesterday uh, and the day before we've been closed for three days now. Uh, so needless to say, we've had a ton of snow here over the past couple of weeks, uh, so much so that plows and augers have been working around the clock and are stretched thin for the area they are expected to cover. So a lot of non-essential places in the park closed during snowstorms. They even closed Highway 120, like one of the major entrances into the park because of this storm, which I don't think I've... Uh, seen before as a preemptive strike. Maybe they do it, but it seems unusual. Um, and they do that because they need to keep emergency access to areas open and clear. And I'm assuming because there's no lodging area up there, that's why they don't have to plow the 120. But that's also why the ski area closes because it's a guest service and considered non-essential. So it gets like last priority when it comes to plowing. So if you're coming to Yosemite during a major winter storm expecting to ski, you should probably have a backup plan in mind, at least for one day. Um, this year is especially hard because we're trying to run the place on a skeleton crew. So <laughs> not like a pirate skeleton crew, but <laughs> like we just don't have a lot of people and we're opening up after definitely not opening last year. So, you know, it's things are just kind of a little bit rocky. So even if you do choose a good bluebird day to go skiing, you're probably going to have to be waiting for a while to get tickets and rentals. So try to get there early uh, if at all possible. Okay, so the first official thing you need to do before coming to Yosemite in winter is to check the weather and the road conditions. If we have a storm bringing any more than a foot of snow or 12 inches or more, that is going to cause some problems. Like everything else here right now, Yosemite is understaffed um, on plow drivers, so they may not be able to get to some areas as the snow is falling, and it can accumulate very fast. I saw over an inch accumulate on the road outside of my apartment in under 20 minutes the other day, 
And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's like a half a foot every two hours. And plows can't pass through often enough to clear that. So you could be driving in some deep snow at times. If that makes you nervous, or if you have like a low clearance uh, vehicle um, with like two wheel drive, then you may want to uh, to wait for this storm to pass before making your trip. I drive a Toyota Corolla and I have not driven it in these conditions since it started getting bad. I have cables for my car, but with a low clearance, it's just, it's hard for those little cars. Um, so keep that in mind. You can check road conditions by calling the automated road line at 209-372-0200. It's supposed to be updated as road conditions change, but somehow it did not get updated recently after a significant amount of snowfall um, overnight. And there were quite a few accidents the next morning on the roads. So I would double check um, that resource and then use the Park Service Road Conditions website. Although that updates kind of at the same time as the road phone. So if neither of those have been updated, um, check the Caltrans website. I would just check the Caltrans website as, um, as a habit before coming up. Don't trust your GPS. Uh, it does not update often enough to show sudden road closures. And uh, if you're going into a road thinking it's open and it's not, that can certainly get you into some trouble, especially if it closes because of snow. You don't want to be in that situation. Weather also brings the potential for power outages, and they occur here more often than other places. Some lodging facilities have generators, but not all of them. So if you can call your hotel and see what the situation is, that would probably be a good idea. Keep in mind, this is only for situations when we have active storms. Generally, if the storm has passed, things go mostly back to normal pretty quickly, but we have been known to have winter power outages extending over a week, and that is very rough. <laughs> Uh, on employees and I imagine on guests as well. Another thing you need to know if you're coming to Yosemite in winter is that you are required by law to carry chains for your tires at all times. Rangers do set up check stations where they measure your tire tread and ask to see your chains. And if you don't have them, they will make you turn around. Uh, they also could give you a fine for not having those chains. I've seen this happen a lot this year. So definitely invest in chains or cables. Even if you have four wheel drive with snow tires, you still must have them in the vehicle. When you call the road phone, the recording will list each highway and the requirements for those roads with a rating system. And the system is R1, R2, or R3. So R1 means that chains are required for vehicles weighing over 6,000 pounds and for vehicles towing trailers. So this requirement does not apply to most people coming to Yosemite and passenger vehicles unless they are towing an RV or something like that. Um, so you don't have to worry too much about R1. The next rating, R2, means that chains are required on all vehicles except four-wheel drive or all-wheel all drive with snow tires on all four tires. And I was confused about what a snow tire was, but they, they're like all-season tires and they're defined um, by the California Vehicle code as, quote, a tire which has a relatively deep and aggressive tread pattern and can be identified by examining the sidewall of the tire where the letters MS, M slash S, or M plus S, or the words mud and snow have been uh, stamped on the sidewall, uh, end quote. Most of the time, the roads will be R1 or R2 here in Yosemite, and R3 conditions are rare, and that is when all vehicles must wear chains, even if they are all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive with snow tires, even if they're brand new. Typically, a road will close um, if the conditions are R3, but if a storm approaches quickly, there may not be time to close the road before people need to pass through. 
which is why everyone needs chains. So I'm not going to tell you how to put chains on because the systems are all different, but I would recommend practicing putting them on before you are in a storm or icy environment. And YouTube is a great reference (laughs) to get you started. Uh, Chains can be complicated and it's miserable to have to crawl around in slush if you don't know what you're doing. So just prepare for that ahead of time. In Yosemite, we have road signs indicating a designated chain control area, and there's usually a place to pull over uh, to put on or take off chains near where the sign is located. So Caltrans has a great guide to chaining up, and I'm going to go ahead and just read what they have on their website word for word. Okay, so this is from the Caltrans website. It says, quote, you must stop and put on chains when highway signs indicate chains are required. You can be cited by the California Highway Patrol and find if you don't. You will usually have about a mile between chains required signs and the checkpoint to install your chains. Control areas can change rapidly from place to place because of changing weather and road conditions. The speed limit when chains are required is 25 or 30 miles an hour. When you put on chains, wait until you can pull completely off the roadway to the right. Do not stop in traffic where you will endanger yourself and block traffic. When removing chains, drive beyond the signs reading end of chain control to pull off area where you can safely remove them, end quote. So there may be a few people out there installing chains in the pullout, and if you really don't know what you're doing, I would recommend asking someone for help if they look like they know what they're doing. If a person does end up helping you install your chains, remember first that you're taking a risk when doing that and should not hold the person responsible if something goes wrong with the setup, and you should probably have a little cash or something on hand to thank them for their services. I know that may sound a little iffy, but if someone is down there getting all muddy to help you, offer to compensate them appropriately. That's just good manners. Um, In my opinion, just keep like a $10 bill in your car. So now on uh, to what you should bring with you when traveling in the mountains in winter. So I personally always have an ice scraper with a brush attached to it and a small lightweight shovel. The ice scraper is obvious um, to scrape off your windows, which must be clear when you're driving. Otherwise, you could get a fine for that as well. But the shovel will become your saving grace if you get stuck or need to shovel yourself out after an overnight snowfall. There could be like two feet (laughs) um, of snow around your car at times, like it is right now. (laughs) That's exactly what it's like today. Uh, Bring some flares and an emergency um, triangle as well. So I saw an accident coming down from Badger Pass the other day and the car was around a blind corner that we were approaching on. But the person um, who had the accident had wisely put a flare and a little emergency triangle in the lane the car was blocking well ahead of where they had um, got off the road and crashed. It was incredibly clever and something most people probably wouldn't think to do immediately. So giving an alert to oncoming traffic on mountain roads is essential. If they hadn't put those indicators there, we would have definitely run into them. And they were, they were a family of like four. So, so have your roadside emergency kit ready and stocked for your trip. And ideally always have it ready at all times, but especially in winter. Make sure you have a full tank of gas when coming up. Also, um, not only because there are many places to fuel up, but you could be waiting for a long time if there is an accident or if the road must close suddenly. And running heat in an idling car takes a lot of fuel. We almost ran out of gas the other day when we got stuck uh, in the company car. So... I mean, that's us, you know, we're locals. We had like a half a tank at the beginning beginning of the day. Um, yeah, it was bad. Have some items on hand in case you get stuck. I have a zero degree sleeping bag in my trunk and some extra water. <clears throat> I'd suggest carrying uh, maybe a gallon of water per person in the car. 
and uh, pack some non-perishable snacks as well, at least maybe like a thousand calories per person. Also, it could be helpful to carry some hand and toe warmers in case you need to turn the car off for a while so you don't get too cold. Those will keep at least your um, extremities warmer. A headlamp or flashlight with extra batteries is also essential. Have that in your car at all times, especially great if you must put on chains in the dark, which I have had to do before. So definitely have a headlamp for that. I also carry traction devices for my boots, which are not essential, but can save you a possible broken bone if you're putting your chains on in icy conditions. Typically, when you're putting chains on, it's because it's icy, which means that you'll also be slipping around. Um, And it's also a good idea to have a fully stocked first aid kit and an extra change of clothes just in case you get wet and you don't want to be stuck in those cold, wet clothes. Having something to change into is very nice. Okay, so you have everything you may need when traveling in Yosemite in winter. Now on to how to drive on snow and icy conditions. First, go slow. The speed limit here is 35 miles per hour on most park roads, so you will need to go slower than that if the roads are questionable. I like to keep it under 30 and around 25 if it's very slippery. Um, Don't let people intimidate you. It's really the safest way to do it. Taking the curves any faster could end in an accident. Which is another thing I saw the other day. It was one of the company cars that had an accident uh, with a Subaru um, that was coming down the hill. And I guess the Subaru was coming down the turn too quickly and took the turn wide and didn't see the other car coming up and they ran into each other. The accident was bad enough that it deployed the airbag in the company vehicle. And not to get too morbid, but the company car was on the cliff side of the road, which like just a drop off which could have been very bad had the accident been any worse. And I don't even like to think about that. By the way, this all happened, all these stories, this was all in one day in about a 20-mile <laughs> route in Yosemite, so it was pretty bad. Um, so apparently in this situation, the guy in the Subaru, um, the civilian or the visitor or whatever, was driving on a suspended license, or that's what I heard. Um, so just be careful. Even if you're driving safely, someone else may not be. And if you're going slow and are in control, you will have a better opportunity to react to those to those bad drivers or someone that's lost control of their vehicle. If you're driving and you hit a patch of ice or slippery slush, um, the rule is to, to you do not accelerate. Don't try to accelerate out of it or brake. Um, Braking's even worse. Just take your foot off the pedals and let the car slide and then try to gently turn your wheel in the direction of the slide. This is not intuitive uh, and it comes with years of winter driving. And even if you're used to driving in the winter, it still kind of catches you off guard. So if you're not comfortable driving on ice, you may want to reconsider traveling in the mountains if those conditions are possible. So keep an eye on the outside temperature gauge in your car if you have one. The road, if the road looks wet, but the temperature is under 32 degrees Fahrenheit or zero degrees Celsius, that could be a potential um, for black ice. And the colder it is, the higher the risk that um, you take with those roads. So just be aware of that. Keep an eye on that temperature. And now I've said this before, and I will say it as many times as it takes for this terribly unsafe activity to stop, but never, ever, ever stop in the middle of the road. I don't care. I don't care what you think you see. I don't care if you see two bears holding hands. I don't care if you want to take a photo. I don't care if you have your hazard lights on. Never do it. Don't do it in good conditions, and especially don't do it on icy, snowy roads. This is the stupidest 
stupidest thing I see people do and it infuriates me. If you want to see the wrath of Laura Jackson, just stop your car in front of her on a mountain road. Just try it. I dare you. No, I don't dare you because it is one of the most dangerous things anyone can do. People coming up behind a stopped vehicle will not have time to stop on an icy road and will run into it and it will be the stopped person's fault and it will raise their insurance rates and cause a lot of damage, could result in injury and even death. Okay, so let's all say it together before I lose my mind. Do not stop on mountain roads. Find a turnout on the side of the road that you're on. Don't, you know, don't fly across the lanes to get into a turnout. Stay on your side of the road. And if there isn't one, just keep going. I don't know why this still happens. It's so dangerous. Please don't do it. On the other side of that, if you're trying to turn into a parking area and there aren't any parking spaces, just move on. Don't block the road waiting for people to move. We need to keep the flow of traffic moving in winter on icy roads. No exceptions. You can come back later if you need to, but do not block the flow of traffic. It's just selfish. It's dangerous. And people will become irate. And then you'll have a little five foot one woman outside your window pounding on it and telling you to move, which is also dangerous. So don't put me in that position. Just don't stop. Okay, don't stop in the road. Just keep going unless there's a safe place to pull over. Okay. So I know this has been mostly driving related because that is the most dangerous activity in Yosemite in winter, in my opinion, but there are still risks involved outside of the car as well. A lot of the walking paths don't get plowed right away, and the only place that is clear to walk may be the road, but that is also very dangerous, again, because people may not see you, and by the time they do, it could be too late to stop. Um, I walk on the road sometimes when it's really quiet, but if I see a car coming, I step way off on the shoulder to give them enough space to get through. And that means I am up to my thighs in snow sometimes, but it's better than getting hit by a car or, or stressing those drivers out. I also like to walk on the side of the road um, facing oncoming traffic because I can see those coming a lot sooner than if I were walking with traffic and it was coming up behind me. And if you're walking in the trees, um, if you're like off the road and you're in the trees or even just you know, around trees in general, um, which you probably will be in Yosemite. There are a lot of trees here. Uh, be aware of falling trees and branches. Now, this happened, this used to happen a lot. Um, it doesn't happen quite as often as it used to, but it still does, uh, especially with cedars and oak trees. Um, and that's just because they've been stressed from years of drought. We're not uh, in the throes of a heavy drought right now. So, it's not as high risk, but certainly still something um, that I am aware of. Like when I'm walking, I don't wear headphones just so I can hear in case anything starts to crack around me. Um, I try not to walk in the trees if the snow is very heavy uh, or if the wind is high. And I mean, um, high winds, 20 miles per hour is a good rule to not go walking around. But even like 13 miles per hour is pretty fast. So um, you know, if the trees are like waving and swaying, um, maybe, maybe don't go super deep into the woods in those conditions. So yeah, sticking to open areas or just don't even go out. Um, and traction devices for your feet, of course, can be a lifesaver if you're walking on ice. They're a great investment. They cost like 25 bucks. You can buy them here. Um, getting them like before you come is probably a better idea because they do run out quickly. Uh, those are called like yak tracks or stabilizers. You just fasten them to the bottom of your boots and they're super effective and save a huge hospital bill if you fall. Uh, just be sure that you take them off before entering a building because they have the opposite effect on linoleum. <laughs> so if you're walking around in the village store and you have your traction devices on, you're, you could slip and fall in that situation too. Just uh, take them off and put them back on when you go outside. 
Um, and last, Yosemite is a f- as, as federal land and masking up, masking your face to prevent the spread of COVID is required in all buildings at this time. So bring your mask, bring one that's comfortable, and please don't give the workers any grief if they ask you to put it on or to cover your whole mouth and nose with it. No, none of this dropping the mask below the nose. You're going to be talked to about that. You may be asked to leave. Um, we can't refuse service if you don't wear your mask. We have to wear them too. We're wearing them for eight hours and it's not fun for us. Uh, We don't like wearing them. We know you don't either. Nobody likes wearing masks, but winter is the time when diseases spread and people people are all gathering inside when it's cold out, especially with this new variant, like highly contagious. So please wear the mask and be nice to people regardless of how you feel about it. If you don't want to wear a mask inside when you come to Yosemite, then don't bother coming into any buildings while in the park. Don't even try it. you will be talked to um, and asked to leave potentially. Our clinic here is very small. Uh, I I think we have like one bed uh, for COVID. Uh, We don't have the means to handle a major COVID outbreak here. And we have a a pretty small community. Um, Like a lot of our workers are, you know, older. So, you know, we're just trying to keep everyone healthy. We're trying to keep you healthy. We're trying to keep ourselves healthy. So help us all stay safe in Yosemite um, so that we can stay open <laughs> and that people can keep coming here and seeing this beautiful winter landscape. So those are my safety tips for traveling in Yosemite in winter. In general, I would say if you're considering a day trip here and the weather looks like it's going to be intense, you might want to think of postponing until the storm passes. Driving in snow and icy conditions is very dangerous and emergency personnel have a hard time getting to scenes uh, in a timely manner in those conditions and it puts them in danger as well. If the park is all socked in with a storm, clouds, you wouldn't have any visibility anyway. So it's best just to wait until the storm breaks um, before you come up and visit. Also, if you're coming to Badger Pass to go skiing, be sure to call the snow phone. It's updated every morning at like 6.30 a.m. by Yosemite legend and Badger Pass enthusiast, Mr. Sean Costello. Sean's daily updates are super fun and exciting, and it's worth calling just to hear the sheer joy that man has for Badger and Yosemite. I call it every day, even if I'm not going up, and it brings a huge smile to my face. Um, His update today was so long (laughs) that the snow phone actually cut him off before he could finish. But I think you got all the important information out. It was just so delightful. He's just so excited about it. It makes everyone else excited too. Anyway, so I will leave that number. Um, it's uh, 209-372-1000. And I will leave that number and the number for the road conditions in Yosemite in the show notes for today's episode, as well as many links to resources for traveling in winter. And I encourage you to do as much research as possible before your winter visit. I promise you'll be glad you did. It could save you a disastrous trip and unhappy screaming children in the backseat, which I saw plenty of this week. (laughs) I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Yosemite Podcast. If you like this stuff, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, I will give you a shouty on an upcoming episode. This week, I want to thank Katie with the Park Pages for her review and for reaching out to me via email. And I promise I'll email you back soon, Katie, as soon as I get internet. (laughs) Katie wrote that the Yosemite podcast is, quote, like curling up with your favorite travel guide as a book on tape, end quote. I love that review because as I sit here writing this, I'm looking out my window at the still falling snow and thinking there is nothing I want to do more today than curl up on the couch and watch the snow blanket this extraordinary place. It really is beautiful. Beautiful but deadly. (laughs) 
just kidding. You know, just be aware and be careful when visiting. My intention today with this episode is not to scare or intimidate anyone not to come, but to make sure you have all the information and everyone is prepared and safe when traveling in the conditions that may exist here in winter. It's it's really no joke and it's very important to be prepared for that. All right, that is enough lecturing for today. I'm Laura Jackson. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in Yosemite.